everyone, Camille here. It's 9 p.m. in Dubai, 6 p.m. in Tunis, and 2 p.m. in Rio de Janeiro. We're live, you're listening to Cosmic, exploring the world of change via the arts. Thank you for tuning in. We're talking to all kinds of artists in season three of the show, exploring their secret powers, listening to their vision, learning from their experience on the field, and figuring out what we still need to learn, unlearn, do, undo as change agents, as a society, as humans, standing on this planet far, far away somewhere in the cosmos. Two days ago, I sat down with someone special. Again, I know, I'm very lucky. A very special human being. And if you are tuning in live, you probably already know what this is all about, don't you? Yes, we are going to travel the world of Arabic calligraphy. We're going to look at um, a specific approach to messaging in unexpected places sometimes. Ladies and gentlemen, El Seed is on Cosmic today. very grateful for this conversation we've had a few days ago because it brought key takeaways to our investigation and inspired pages of new thoughts that I will distill through this episode but also throughout the coming weeks our publications and upcoming projects. This exchange was also particularly strong for me because, surprisingly, or not, Elsie and I have a whole, a whole layer of culture in common. And uh, yes, we both like Charles Aznavour. For those who don't know Elsie, the best thing to do is to check his works and projects on his website or Instagram profile. Je vous parle d'un temps que les moins de 20 ans ne peuvent pas connaître. Mon marque en ce temps-là, accroché ces lilas jusque sous nos fenêtres et si l'humble garni qui nous servait de nid ne payait pas de mine. C'est là qu'on s'est connu, moi qui criais famine et toi qui posais nu. He uses Arabic calligraphy and a distinctive style to spread messages of peace, unity, and to underline the commonalities of human existence. 
His artwork can be found all over the world and consistently aim at unifying communities and redressing stereotypes. Dans les cafés voisins, nous étions quelques-uns qui attendions la gloire et bien que miséreux avec le ventre creux, nous ne cessions d'y croire et quand quelques bistrots contre un bon repas chaud nous prenaient une toile, nous récitions des vers groupés autour du poêle en oubliant l'hiver. La brème. His personal story is quite powerful and uh, naturally feeds into his thinking and uh, the themes he works with today. So that's where we will start. Digging into the backstory. You know, it's the moment to adjust your headphones and get cozy. We're taking off. Chapter 1, The Quest. Paris, I never really felt French as a kid, and, uh, and going back to Tunisia in the summer with the family for the holidays, I didn't really feel Tunisian as well. So I was always struggling between this and my French Tunisian. Ah, Corneille, ça. Oh, la drôle d'histoire que je vais chanter là. Au petit village de Santa Madonna Habitait Rodrigue, un brave et bon zigue Qui avait du poil sur l'estomac Son père qui était un roubleur et comment Qui n'est pas spilé, qui était un peu feignant Avait la manière de tout lui faire faire En le prenant par les sentiments Rodrigue, as-tu du cœur I hated the fact of you have to fit inside something you know what I mean? So I, I never used to dress like everybody back when I was a kid. So, uh, and I was never listening to, uh, to the same music as other people. I used to be on the mainstream thing, but uh, and I also had this kind of feeling of going back to the roots really early. So I used to listen to Arabic music, Tunisian music a lot, uh, you know, even classical Tunisian music, you know. Yeah, 
I mean, I remember it, but I never, nobody, nobody ever asked me about this the music that I used to listen when I was younger. I will tell you a funny thing, but I used to listen a book, the bio of Forrest Gump. You know, so I don't know why, because it was so, there was, I mean, there was Elvis Presley, Elvis Presley Mrs. Robinson, uh, Sweet Home Alabama, but weird thing that if people like of my age at this time, my friend knew, knew I was listening to this, they were like, oh, man, what's wrong with you? Like, you know, you're getting crazy. اذهب في ساقموله يوديه مدة زمانه فوق الحنه خل خال بورق فوق الحنه خل خال بورق فوق الحنه عن ركز تهليل تسمع رنا خل خال I have this memory of a really racist uh, insult from a guy when I was coming back from high school. Still remember that I was, I think, uh, 14 or 13, something like that. And then going back in Tunisia, like in the summer, people used to call us the Shenoulaba, you know, Shenoulaba, which means uh, at home there. And uh, and then I, I I thought I needed to choose between being French or Tunisian. And looking at my face in the mirror, I think I look more than. Somebody called Mohamed and somebody called Jean-Jacques. Folie de l'espace, peur de la nuit absolue, du silence absolu, de l'absolu d'un univers sans commencement ni fin. Non, non. Somebody called Mohammed and somebody called Jean-Jacques. Son véritable moi 
Régis par les lois du matérialisme Décomposant l'univers comme le feu est un prisme Avec de la lumière que l'on refuse de toucher Car il est clair qu'il faut vouloir pour essayer Élever sa spiritualité Intérieurement chercher à s'éveiller L'univers subit un dérèglement croissant On oublie que notre rôle est important Comment parler d'harmonie avec les énergies suprêmes Lorsqu'on est en total désaccord avec soi-même Que l'on se blottit sous l'aide de la compassion Ou sous l'anthropomorphisme d'une religion Nous étions censés maintenir une symbiose en fait Nous avons trahi le cosmos Chaque être a une place dans l'espace Et le vide est comme une grande glace La vie est une You know when somebody attacks you on one part of your identity You're gonna claim it more, you know what I mean? In France, people used to, in the 90s, used to clash us about the fact that we're like Oh, Arab people, you Arab people, you Arab people This Arab thing, you know, like, ah, you're attacking me on my Arab uh, part, I'm gonna claim it this more. And then early 2000, we had this kind of religious uh, awakening in the, like, we never heard about religion before, you know. Me as a, as a Muslim people person, I, I, I never heard, went to a mosque, you know, my parents, they were not religious. So I discovered religion for actually in France, you know, so, and so when people start attacking you on this, identity you know even if you're not religion but you know this is part of your identity to claim my religiousness i need to wear an outfit you know I don't think it's not only one layer, you know, it's, uh, it's made than more than one layer. And in France, we had this issue that either you're uh, Tunisian or Algerian or Moroccan or like uh, Malian or Senegalese or wherever you're from, either you're French. You know, you cannot be this mixed and this is totally wrong. I thought that I needed to make this choice, so I, I, I decided to 
dig into my Arabic roots, learn how to read and write Arabic, because I felt that was a shame for me to not speak Arabic. I used to speak Tunisian dialectal, but uh, not to, I didn't know how to read and write Arabic. And then it's later that I started discovering Arabic calligraphy. You know, but I, I was already into graffiti, but not in a serious way. I was more like a b-boy guy than dancing more than painting. calligraphy, the more I was discovering, you know, reading books about Arabic culture and about uh, colonialism and, you know, and discovering, you know, where I was from, you know, and where I am and uh, what I am today, the more I realized that I wouldn't be able to do uh, what I'm doing today if I was not French as well. approach to calligraphy is is really kind of organic. I didn't know, you know, in a classical Arabic calligraphy, there is rules that you need to respect. And you call yourself a calligrapher if you learn calligraphy from a master, who learn from a master, who learn from a master, and you go like 1,000 and 400 years back, you know. And, uh, and because of that, uh, because I didn't know there were rules, me, I was playing with the letters, you know, I was extending them, curving them. And without noticing it, I was, I was creating my, uh, my own style. She's inspired from classical calligraphy, and um, and then this helped me actually to reconcile my French and Tunisian culture.
And then today I use it as a, as a tool, you know, to build those bridges between culture, between people. And, um, and I realized that Arabic calligraphy has uh, this universal beauty that you don't need to translate, you know. I don't want to translate it. I think if somebody is interested to it, they will make the step to understand what it means, you know. And uh, and then I was also, I didn't want to break the, you know, it's calligraphy, it's not typography, so I didn't want to break the, the poetry of it. We should look at this art as, as music, you know, like sometimes you understand music and uh, you don't understand the lyrics, but there is a melody that speaks to your soul. Yep. And I, for me, like uh, Arabic script is the same thing. <laughs> ندير الكوراج ونعطيها تليفون هلا لا هلا لا دايتني الامريكان وصوب في كادياك هلا لا هلا لا دايتني الامريكان وصوب في كادياك كلك يا بن عم جايا خايف تضحك ليا قلبي يحلى وبار انا صغير وبغيت ندير النية مات العينية ودت كل شي هلا لا هلا لا دايتني الامريكان وصوب في كالياك هلا لا هلا لا دايتني الامريكان وصوب في لافيكاس يا بن عمي هاد الشيرة جايا هازين الزين عقل كيدوك العربيات قلبي قلبي نخطف وحياليا ندير الكوراج ونعطيها تليفون هلا لا هلا لا دايتني الامريكان وصوب في كالياك From this identity quest, then this kind of uh, cultural ambassador of my culture, I move to something which is, I think, uh, a kind of a, a bridge builder. I don't know how people define my work, but I think it's more using art as a pretext, you know. And uh, and I think Arabic calligraphy now is uh, just a background tool that I use. That's it. As you know, many artists travel the world to go and paint murals or set up installations in cities, in communities. We've talked about it already in previous episodes. What we can say is that there are different ways of approaching these opportunities, right? Different intentions as well from one artist to another. And Elsie often talks about art as a pretext for a human experience. And this is what I want to cover here. We started talking about 
purpose, impact, why works gets commissioned, how NGOs typically operate, how to deal with sensitive topics and taboos in choosing the messages to paint. People sometimes they, they want to create a change, but they forget the human, uh, the human side of it. You know what I mean? You have to, you have to be on the ground. Chapter two: the human experience. I'm not an NGO. I, I do, I do my work. You know, I, I try to do it the best way that I could do it. I never call myself an activist, but people mention me, like introduce me sometimes as an activist. I don't know what does that mean actually, activist, and then people even put me artivist. You know, it sounds super cool. Sometimes it takes six months, you know, uh, to find the right phrase that will match exactly. And when you talk about taboo or, you know, the hot potato, uh, there's also the person that you quote, you know, like because most of the time I quote people from a neighborhood or people from a city or a country. And you have to make sure that this person as well is not uh, subverse. I mean, there's not like a, a dark side of him that we don't know. You study, so sometimes like you have to read the full bio, and then you're like, oh, this guy did this at this time, so I cannot use this guy. 
because people would jump on me after. a thin line you know I need to find the right words and then you speak with the people you know like you for example when uh, we did this project between North and South Korea uh, I used uh, a North Korean writer you know and and uh, but the guy passed away before the separation so he, so he was like Korean you know so so his words became a folkloric song in South Korea you know and and for me that was uh, that was so cool because you you use the word of uh, of North Korean that is geography geographically North Korean in South Korea and people me I thought I was like maybe that's a hot potato and people are like no thank you so much for doing this. How do you enter a place? You know, like uh, this is so dangerous. You know, to to go to a place and think that you're coming and you're bringing something cooler than what those people are already doing. You know, so you have to come with such a like humble step.
part of the acceptance from the this side, I mean the community side, is when you bring something that they're like, oh, wow, how come you know about this guy? You know what I mean? And they're like so happy. Me, I remember one of the priests, you know, from the community, not the one who approved the project, the, like a guy under him. He was like, he came to me at the end. He was like, you're Muslim? I said, yes. He's like, I'm so intrigued and happy that you use some, something from our culture. I was like, of course, you know, I'm painting in your neighborhood. So it's important that I write something from you, you know, and I make sure that you can relate to it. And, and that's what is important to make sure that you, people, they see that you value them. And I think that's the most important part. place you have to show people that you giving them the importance you know and they're more important than you you know and uh, and and they don't need you like nobody I'm, I'm telling you if I didn't do the project in Cairo not nothing would have changed in their life they would just have like less guests at their kids wedding that's it I asked El Cid what drives him and the killer question, what he thinks of impact reporting, impact reporting, <laughs> which is often what organizations commissioning such work want to see after the project is delivered. Chapter three, impact modeling and the artist image. experience for uh, for rediscovering our common humanity for uh, highlighting places communities for uh, for fun sometimes you know like I by fun I don't mean like the fun of yeah, going to a party but the fun of like seeing going to places and like say like wow actually I met this guy like you know when I uh, I will tell you about this project we did in Egypt but you know, like it was out of this world what we lived there, you know, so, uh, and that's the fun part of it. 
they love to put numbers. Oh, what is the impact? Oh, do you measure the impact of your project? And I'm like, how oh, you want me to measure what? You know, I went, I painted inside the garbage city. We we made the family now, so like we know almost half of the people there. Uh, when I go there, like I feel like I'm at home. You know, I'm invited to wedding. People they call me to ask if my family is good. Uh, how do you measure the impact? I I don't know this. Yes, oh, there is like uh, maybe way more people that come visit the church now. What more that I can add? We met friends. People are happy. Uh, we've been invited to weddings. À partir de cet instant, la liberté sera quelque chose de vivant et de transparent. Et sa demeure sera pour toujours le cœur de l'homme. You like doing it. You know, me as an artist, each project is a new challenge, it's a new experience. So, of course, you have this selfish intention. I want to go there. I want to see that by my from my eyes. I want to be there. It's also what is your intention behind the project? Why? Why do you do? I mean, I always like ask myself, and I have like this kind of inside fight all the time you know because sometimes you do a project and then like you have so much coverage and then the thing like perception we we didn't think it would be like as crazy as it went it went everywhere you know like and uh, and then maybe your intention change and you're like oh why I'm doing this I'm doing that for the fame I'm doing it for actually the love of art I'm doing it for the community and that's why then you have to switch your intention I'm like oh no, 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 I don't, I don't care about this fame thing because this is so ephemeral. Like, in two weeks, I'm not going to be the, the hot trend on Twitter. with those people how can we nurture this and that's what we did with perception 
we, uh, we made a book, a collector edition that we, we sold. Uh, we had like 500 pieces that we sold for like, a, uh, I mean, for a book, it's a, it's a collector book, so we sell it for $700. But with the money of the book, we managed to, to produce, to co-produce with a friend of mine a movie that will be out this year. And, uh, and we financing, we building a park inside the community. A park for the, for the kids close to the church on the, on the mountain. This is fed. You're like, ah, oh, yeah. Maybe I'm a good person, you know. And and so you want people to hear that you're a good person. I think that's what, as a human being. But then, what's your real intention? You did for the sake of being helpful and being uh, in this, uh, you know, like a solid person, or do you do it because you want people to like you and to comment and repost and say, hey, man, you're this is great. So. It's, it's difficult and then so that's why I mean, I'm, I'm a kind of schizophrenic person sometimes because I have this weird fight in my head about you know, like why I'm doing this. And it's difficult, huh? It's difficult. Then democratization, I think it's important for me uh, as an artist to you know, have this kind of uh, responsibility to make sure that art is not this kind of elitist thing. You know, I faced it many way, many times. You know, before then, you know, where you feel you're not welcome in this elite circle of art. You know, I'm sure, like in the suburb of Paris, or like in some uh, remote village in Tunisia or anywhere in the world, you have this. You have the next Picasso. But because this is not fed, you know, nobody give him the opportunity to to see that this is possible to live from your art, to uh, to go and sit with an artist. You know, uh, I think we're just wasting a lot of beautiful opportunities. 
that's that's what is important. It's important to give access to art. I always intervene inside school, you know, as much as I can. My daughter, she's 12, she's doing a project on you with her team uh, schoolmate. I can then interview on Zoom. I'm like, I'm like okay. So we have a, we have a meeting uh, on the, I think at 3 p.m. on the 12, you know, so it's, uh, it's fun. We're not like a war reporter. We're not on, you know, we apply colors in a certain way for people to enjoy it. People enjoy it very, very much. You will appreciate Elsie's humbleness here. Uh, to his point, it seems that this humbleness is much, much needed in both the the art space and in the impact sector, where the structures are quite problematic sometimes. Uh, there's a form of colonialism or a form of imperialism that is making a, a growing number of people uncomfortable um, 
what is the the intention right of, of a project really how how do you deal with money the impact reporting what is this project creating in in practice and for who this track called Ouverture because we're not done talking about this. I'm sure you will agree El Cid was the guest of choice for opening this conversation and even if ironically um, he describes this as applying colors in a certain way for people to enjoy it, after checking out his previous projects you will see how far he goes into highlighting Uh, communities into highly contextualized messaging combined with masterful execution and, and poetry, really. Like if those paintings came straight from somewhere else in outer space. A kind of cosmic quote or poem that speaks to your soul. There is something that is so special about Arabic script that I think Uh, made it so special and that's why maybe uh, I think there is a there is something sacré you know like that's beyond us you know so actually I think it's cosmic yeah Thank you to Elsid for this cosmic moment uh, we spent together. It was really important to talk about this. Thank you to Inam Gbewonyo for, for introducing us. If you haven't listened to our previous episode featuring Inam, I highly recommend it. Thank you to Etienne Previtali for support with music and sounds. We traveled all around Maghreb, France and the Middle East today. I wanted to play those tracks for a long time and it was so good. Thank you. And thank you for tuning in. You know what to do if you like what you've heard. Speak to you next week. Ciao.